Welcome back to episode 10 of the Rally Report podcast. I've uh, been getting a lot of messages asking for today's guest to be on, and thank goodness I finally got in contact with her. A uh, quick shout out to Lucy Beecroft for helping out in that. She's currently ranked 25 in the world, and I think she'll be ranked 17 in the new year when this episode will be aired. Um, she has absolutely took the PSA tour by storm this entire year and continues to impress with her recent performance at Black Ball, where she was a semifinalist. Uh, warm welcome to Gina Kennedy. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Um, wait, first of all, do you go by Georgina or Gina? Uh, I, I go by Gina mostly. Everyone calls me Gina. <laughs> okay. Um, so this, I mean, I'm sure this year has been quite successful. Um, and I, I don't think um, the squash world is gives you insane celebrity status, but I'm definitely picking up on a vibe that you're becoming a celebrity within the community. Have you had time to soak up the success or, you know, feel like, wow, I'm getting more attention from the community? Have you felt that this year? Yeah, definitely. I've definitely felt, um, uh, like you said, it's not obviously that well-known squash. So in the yeah. very small squash community, I have definitely felt um, like my... I suppose presence is a bit more well known now, which is um, really mm. exciting. Um, I get a lot of uh, quite a few, few messages when I'm at tournaments and stuff from from people, and it's it's really nice to see. Um, like, you know, e- even like little kids will message me yeah. and ask me like, "Oh, like, how do you become good at squash and stuff?" And it's just like really nice to see that like people are watching and engaging with what you're doing mm-hmm. and stuff. <laughs> what, what is the, what is the most uh, well first of all um i when i put your inst- instagram question thing up i don't think i've ever gotten this many questions for okay. for any of the episodes before but i i'm curious to hear what is the most common question you receive in your dms from strangers <laughs> um a common a, a very common one is like a lot to do with fitness and like yeah. how like what kind of fitness regime i do and like <laughs> um how yeah I don't know, yeah, what classifies me as fit, but yeah, people want to know about uh, my physical, uh, the physical training side of it. I think. Yeah, that's, that's that seems to be the common theme of the questions yeah. I received as well. Um, th- th- does those questions kind of get on your nerves, or you're like, it's fine, like, because I'm sure you get so many of them. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't get as many as you think. A lot of them I get, you know, in day to day conversations with people. Yeah. A lot of you know, a lot of people at the clubs I train with um, like, are always very supportive, very engaging, and they're also, like, really curious about my training, what I get up to. They'll always try and, like, take a peek uh, if I'm doing a little circuit or something. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't get annoyed at all. I, I, yeah, it, I just feel it's nice because, like you said, squash is quite under the radar. So I, I'm not, not – I don't think many squash players are used to, you know, feeling like – <laughs> they you know like are in the spotlight or whatever so it's quite nice and people take an interest i guess and like know what you've been up to <laughs> yeah um all right so moving on to you know your recent black ball performance i know you beat out the likes of sj perry and farida mohammed and you made it the semifinals which i'm sure you're happy about even though you know you lost out in the semifinals and i wanted to talk about your matchup with sj for a second here because okay. I don't think you've had the best track record against her. And I think style-wise, too, it's completely polar opposites with how you guys play. So I was curious, um, did you have a different approach this time? Or were you more amped up about this matchup uh, than usual? What do you think was the difference maker here? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, obviously, um, SJ is like number five in the world. Um, I've 
been watching her play from when I was younger and she I've realised that when looking through her results, like she doesn't lose to people yeah. who are like not inside the top five, top ten mm-hmm. in the rankings. Like she really doesn't lose and she the first few times I played her I realised why. Like she's very difficult to break down. If she like miss your targets even a little bit, she's gonna she's so skillful, way more skillful than I am and she'll just put the ball away. Um yeah. But I start. I've just been. I suppose where I've been playing a lot, and um, I've been playing a few of the top ten girls, and um, done quite well against them. And I've just, I just think I've just found a bit more confidence in my game. Um, so for this um, particular match in Egypt, I, I knew it was going to be difficult, and there was a strong chance that she would, you know, chop me yeah. like <laughs> I've done in the past. But yeah, yeah. I also just felt felt more confident in my playing ability and win or lose I had a different game plan and like I just wanted to make sure I executed it like I said win or lose um and I was very relaxed before that match I don't know why I think Mm -hmm. because like I said I wasn't really focused on the end result I was just focused on how I wanted to play and and it was just one of those days I think where everything kind of like was working for me like some (laughs) of the shots probably would have been in the tin any other day but they somehow went up that day (laughs) so you lost out to her in the british nationals a couple months back would you say you completely switched up your game plan or was it just better execution on your part of the same game plan yeah i think it was better execution and i think it was like i I keep going back to that belief aspect of it but in the british nationals i was really content with being in the final I was mm-hmm. like I think I'd just beaten Kersley the day before um so I was on a high from that so I was kind of I was satisfied I was like I'm really happy with this like obviously I always want to win as I'm very competitive but yeah it was a different like I, I didn't expect to win and I was just like oh I'm in the final yay um whereas for this one like I think I said in an interview although I wasn't it wouldn't have been the end of the world if I lost. I, I was really satisfied with just, you know, making second round of Egypt. Like, I wanted to progress further into the draw and I wasn't just mm-hmm. content with getting there. And I think just that mindset shift is really important for squash. I mean, like, yeah. I say it all the time, I really think mindset is like 90% at least of, you know, the outcome of a match. Um, so, yeah, my mindset shifted and I definitely executed my game plan better. Like, I was calling more... Um, Mm-hmm. And just yeah, being a bit more proactive. <laughs> also, another curious aspect because you've taken down, I mean, now a couple top ten players now with Joel King. I think you beat Rowan El Rabi, and now S J Perry, and has also Tessie Evans as well, who's I think she's top yeah. ten. Do you, is there a? Do you think there's a huge discrepancy in the women's tour right now between the top ten and per se top twenty, or would you say it's pretty similar? There, there could be upsets that could be happening. Yeah, I think I. I do think they're, yeah, that's a hard one. I think the top 10 girls are probably a slight level above, I, I think. Um, there is a, a little difference. Um, but I think upsets are like the women, the depth of the women's tour is like. Yeah. Um, no, I asked this because I think with the men's tour, the top 10 is very much so ahead of. Yeah. You know anyone below, but I think with the women's, the depth is a lot deeper. So you do see these upsets happening, and you see definitely. a change of shift. Yeah, yeah. which I, yeah, I wanted to hear your take on it. Yeah, I definitely agree, and I think um, at the moment I would say that like you know Gohar and Trevini, Hania, um, they're maybe just like slightly above, like a yeah. one level above 
kind of the rest of the pack. Um, yeah. And then, like you said, below that, although the top 10 girls are, you know, like dominant, there, there yeah. are definitely a lot of players inside that top 20, top 30 who are just like so dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, okay. Now going back to about, so you played Noriel Shibini in the semifinals. Was that your first time ever playing against her? Yeah, yeah. How was how was that being on court with her? What 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 do you think was the biggest difference between you guys? Yeah, it was it was cool being on court <laughs> with her. Like she's on she's amazing. I love watching her play. I love the way she conducts right. herself on court. Like yeah, I think she is so cool. <laughs> um, so I was a bit you know maybe even a little bit starstruck before. Well. <laughs> I'm like gosh, I'm playing BD in yeah. Egypt in the semifinals. Um, so it was a different, like I, I talk about mindset a lot, but and it is it is difficult. But my mindset for that one again was, I'm satisfied with the semi finals. Like, did not <laughs> think for a second I would make the finals mm. um, because you know I hadn't played her before. So, as I said, confidence is so important. But the only way to get confidence is to like be in those, uh, like to experience those things and actually like build confidence because you can't just yeah. walk on thinking you'll beat Shabini when like you're not gonna <laughs> um, yeah but yeah I was definitely I was starstruck I was really happy like to be there um mm-hmm. and just to see what it's like to play against her and it right was, right it was, hard. <laughs> <laughs> was it just the pace was she playing at a different pace or? yeah the pace the way she just anything that was loose I didn't know where it was going like everyone oh, yeah. talks about that hold that she has yeah, um, and it is so true. She's there so early, and I'm like, I don't know where this is going. <laughs> um, and it's just cool. And then obviously she could just like slot it whenever she wants, really. So you're yeah. just always just kind of trying to get the ball away from her racket. <laughs> oh yeah, her racket work is just something else. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so cool to watch. <laughs> yeah, so I think a lot of people are mind blown to see how fast you're moving up the ranks. I mean, this past year and. I mean, it's understandable if they don't didn't realize how good you were from Harvard. And I think as someone who played in college squash, I knew how good you were. So part of me is like, I'm not really surprised how fast Gina's moving up the ranks. But did you foresee yourself move up at this pace at the beginning of 2021? Or would you say it has something to do with your confidence and just getting more exposure to tournaments? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't have really wish for a better yeah. uh, the way this year's turned out I couldn't have uh, yeah wish for a better a better year I definitely didn't expect to be right within inside the top 20 come January 1st um, 2022 um, yeah and I think I've been like, like obviously COVID did put a big spanner in the work for me in terms of I came out of college at rank like 184 or something and then I couldn't compete get my ranking up for a year yeah. and a half or whatever it was but in a way it's it actually worked out really well for me because there have been so many challenger tournaments put on um mm. over the part over these six months so i've been able to get up the rankings quite quickly just because i've been playing so much and then obviously playing so much and playing these girls and doing well against them gives you that confidence going into like the bigger events so um i think i was just i was i have been lucky in the sense that there, I have had a lot of opportunities, um, yeah. which might not have happened if you know COVID didn't happen, and it, I had to really start with you know a three k every couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, did you change something this past year in terms of your training regime or your diet diet change? I think that you said in one of your posts 
game interviews about your diet. It's um, you don't eat meat. And if you could go into that um, and just, you know, something that changed in your training. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was um, at Harvard, I was obviously training hard, but I've always uh, trained hard and always been like, you know, having one of my strengths would have been like the physical side of it. But yeah, I realized I wasn't really training like a pro should train um, because training is so much more than just like what you do on the court that one hour. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really, this past year or since graduating, um, like started to think about my diet, my recovery um, and changed a lot of things like prioritizing sleep. Um, I cut out meat and dairy. Um, So I do eat fish just for like protein options when I'm away, but I tend to, have like a, a mostly vegetarian diet um and i yeah. noticed that doing that has allowed me to you know do two hard sessions a day and not really feel any residue the next day um yeah so would you say this diet change has really improved with your would you say recovery or your like squash training itself yeah definitely i think um you know i listen to uh, quite a few podcasts and stuff about you know training and like high performance and stuff and I definitely noticed since my diet changes that I can back up a hard session with another hard session in the afternoon and you know the next day not feel any you know residue or anything and just keep being able to like back it up which when it comes to these hard matches when you're in tournaments and you've had yeah I had a when I was in Detroit I had a few like really long hard three matches and it's just so so obviously winning the match is great but there's so much more to it for the enable mm. for the next day and that's about like you know fueling your body well and um, making sure you get enough sleep and everything like that so yeah i think that's a yeah. big part of my training i would say like <laughs> the diet mm-hmm. yeah um also another thing that i wanted to ask with you moving up the ranks is you get more exposure to the glass court whereas the traditional and i think a lot i've asked a lot of players about this and i wanted to hear your take on what do you think the difference is and do you do you favor a court more would you say yeah so i would say that my game probably suits a plaster court more um, yeah and that might be because i'm way more used to it obviously i yeah i'm based in london i don't actually train on a glass court much at all luckily um i'm at nottingham university so when i am there i'm able to train on that glass court but the amount of exposure i get to glass courts is very minimal um and it is really different the game just seems to be the, the glass court takes like a good length and a good short ball a lot better than a plaster court and i think where i'm oh. more of like a physical player i guess i sometimes like can rely on my speed or whatever to get back mm-hmm. in the rally um and when i'm not hitting my target really obvious on a glass court because it will hit the side <laughs> wall and just like stop whereas on a plaster yeah. court it will run through a bit more if you can get away with it um so yeah. i think i would definitely prefer a prefer a plaster court probably but hopefully that will change <laughs> the more over the years yeah <laughs> <laughs> well so speaking of i'm i'm sure you must be so bummed out about the recent toc being cancelled yeah. and now uh, postponed to may um and i was checking out your draw as well i mean how were you already thinking about that as soon as black ball was over yeah I, well yeah so i was thinking even before black ball my coach and i was thinking like okay so when are we 
when are we going to take a break? Because obviously a break was necessary yeah. after Egypt. So it was like, are you going to yeah. come back and take a break straight away? Or are you going to, you know, like play that week before Christmas and then take a break or whatever? So I was I was definitely thinking about TOC mm-hmm. before Egypt. Um, and again, it was, an, it was another good opportunity to play people I haven't played before and just, um, I, um, yeah, I'm definitely gutted that, uh, that it's not happening. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so how has this, uh, changed your plan for January and then coming into the new year? Cause I, I'm sure you were, you know, excited about this for the TOC and with how you're performing in the form you're in, yeah. um, has this altered your plans for January? Uh, yeah, so kind of, I mean, I'm at the moment, like by now I probably would have got back into a more like. I say the word strict, but training regime where I'd have been like, you know, more consistent with what I'm doing. But since there's not much to train for, I'm allowing myself to have a bit, a bit more of a break where I'm kind of, you know, playing more for fun as opposed to right. Let's yeah. think about. Um, so in that sense, it's changed a bit, which has been really nice to be fair. But it's hard when there's not a tournament to like prepare for. Um, yeah. So I'm not actually too sure what tournament I'll be doing, what my next tournament is. Potentially Cleveland, um, the Bronx. Happening at the end of January, um, so I hope that goes ahead. Um, but yeah, so I'm still it's still up in the air as to what what is my next event. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> are you based in London right now? Where would you call yeah. your home base? Yeah, so my home base would be in London. Um, so I also I'm studying for a master's uh, at North yeah. University. So mm-hmm. I have a place up there uh, where I live with other squash players like Luke Deepwell, uh, yeah. and Son of Elkham. So. It's a good setup there, but my coach is Ben Ford, um, and he's been in London. He's been based in London the whole time, so and that's where my family lives. So I've actually been home in London for the past like four four months, I'd say, just tra- training mm. Ben and preparing, preparing for the tournament. Do you have good training partners with you uh, in London? I you know do, with? yeah. So I train mostly with men, um, but um, I. There's a Burke Hampstead is like a a good base for a lot of the a lot of the English players. Um, so Jazz Hutton, Lucy Turnell, and then before Alex yeah. retired. Uh, so those mm-hmm. are like the three girls I would train with if I see what I'm out there. Gotcha. I mean, it's funny because I think in one of your interviews you said how much of a homebody you are and the amount of traveling you're having to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, are you? Definitely. Yeah. Are you enjoying the tour right now? With it takes a toll on the body. With yeah, you know you yeah. being all over the place, yeah. No, I've actually been loving it. Um, yeah, yeah. Like a lot of my events have been in America, um, and so I've been able to see, especially for Washington and for the U.S. Open, been able to like see a few friends from college, which has been really nice. Um, obviously, yeah. we got like sent home in March. You know, like a week to move out, so it's been <laughs> nice to like be back in America where I didn't really get that closure. Um, yeah, but yeah, I've I'm been surprised with how much I kind of don't mind the traveling and the mm-hmm. um, stuff. I think maybe because it's like so new to me. I think in a couple of yeah. years when I've been on tour for a while, <laughs> I'll be like fed up. <laughs> yeah, this is enough for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, so I want to quickly roll back the time here to back to your Harvard and college days, and I was surprised to hear that you were initially a little hesitant to even go overseas, and you were gonna stay in the UK and do your studies there. Yeah. Um, I have a question. If Do you think if you had stayed th- stayed in the UK, you might have not gone professional? Um, I think 
I think I would have been. I think I would have gone pro, but I don't mm-hmm. think I would be in the same position I'm in now. I don't think. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I took a gap year before going to America because I decided that I didn't want to go at the beginning, and I decided quite late on. Um, yeah. So I had to take a gap year to like do all my ACTs and stuff, um, and in that year I went pro <laughs> because. I was just doing exams. I was like, there's not much else to do. And I, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't really want to be pro. All my friends were at university. I felt it, I felt the lifestyle was very lonely, very isolated. And like I said, I was in the frame of mind of like, how can I mm. make myself the best player? I, so I, I hated it. I hated the traveling. I hated everything. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> um, so I didn't actually think I would be pro at all after that. Um, but then, and I think if I stayed in England, I'd have gone to university, probably played squash and just hit pro as like a token. Oh, I don't know yeah. what else I want to do, but I don't right, think right. I would have been as like dedicated to it. Um, I think going to Harvard and like, balancing everything and like taking myself away from squash for a bit, just in terms of, you know, I don't think that's what I want to do with my life. Mm-hmm. And then coming to realize, actually, no, this is this is something that I want to do. And how you're going to do that is going to be, you know, you're not going to be able to eat terribly. You're not going to be able to go to bed at like 4 a.m. Like you have to be so disciplined with everything. And I, yeah. I, I, yeah. So I think I probably would have been pro, but I don't know if I would have been uh, maybe number 17 in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you obviously were a very successful junior player yourself. Would you say you were a little burnt out towards the end of during that gap year and your junior career as well? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I think I always loved it, and I loved squash. I loved training, yeah. but there were other things. I was like an eighteen-year-old girl. There were other things yeah. I wanted to do. My friends were at university, you know, going out, and honestly, that that is what I wanted to do at that age. So I mean, yeah, who would have wanted? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where, like you said, I was quite a successful junior, and that comes with a lot of sacrifice. You know, you yeah. can't go out with your friends. You're always away at weekends and training after school so I do think I was just a bit fed up with it and if you're not mentally yeah. 100% in it's just you know you're not going to do well <laughs> and I didn't I don't think I want to I honestly barely want a match I think that year where I was oh wow okay <laughs> well also also another interesting fact was so it was your junior year at Harvard that you made up your mind that you wanted to go professional yeah right so where did that transition happen for you? Was it like end of sophomore year where you're like, you know what? I really do. This is my passion and I want to pursue it. Did something click during your so- freshman, sophomore year at Harvard? Yeah. So my sophomore year, so, so at Harvard, there is quite a lot of pressure to like get these internships. So yeah. Doing, doing these internships from like, and they'd known from the first day of school what they were doing next summer. So I was like, oh, oh my wow. gosh, this is, so my sophomore year, I got an internship in London um, mm-hmm. just for six weeks and that was the moment I decided that I wanted to play squash <laughs> like every I would work up in London from eight till five and I was just yeah. constantly thinking okay how am I going to play squash this week when how am I going to fit it in like texting my coach like when am I going to come and I just realized I just didn't want to be in the office so you know, if yeah, I the sit down, sit down desk life isn't for you. Yeah, I just and if I was so just thinking about how am I going to play squash? It's clearly something that I love and want to do, so that I, yeah. I should at least give it a try. So that was the 
self-serving factor. <laughs> yeah, so it seemed like from it seems pretty obvious to me that you know Harvard had played such a positive influence in your squash career. If people don't know, you were probably one of the most successful college squash players to ever come out. You won the individuals three times, team championships. Was it all four years that you guys won the team championships? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now. The thing that I'm most curious about was how you navigate um, the dynamics within the ladder. I know you didn't play number one your freshman year, and you just mentioned how competitive a person you were. How do you manage to you know, navigate with such good players down the ladder? As much as you want the team success, you also are thinking about how well you're doing, how well you're improving. So how do you navigate that? Yeah, definitely. And that is a very interesting dynamic every year because, yeah. like you said, the kind of um, personalities that you know Ivy League schools attract are those who are probably quite competitive, quite type A, like they want to do as best as they can. So at Harvard, we'd have every Monday a challenge match to determine the ladder. So season started in like December, so from October, every Monday we'd have a match to determine. And if you won, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, like. It's got excuses. If you want, you're moving up. If you lose, you're moving down. Yeah. Um, so there was this pressure every single week, and like I was, um, I, one of my best friends, Amelia Henley. We were at college together, and she's also mm. from Kent. So we were rivals, but also best friends growing up. So I kind of was used to, you know, playing your best friend and wanting to, you know, beat each other on the court. But yeah. as soon as, as soon as you come off the court, it's like back to being best friends again um mm -hmm. but it is difficult and you've got you've got that dynamic with 13 players yeah. some of whom aren't best friends you know right um, right so it's very interesting it's very competitive but i think it makes for a really strong team dynamic and that's such an important aspect of the college squash world um you know if you have you have to just kind of it matures you a lot as well like you have to right. face up to the you know, if you if you play badly that week and you move down, you have to just congratulate your teammate and kind of move on. Although mm. it might be hard and it might not always be that be like that. Um, but yeah, it was a hard dynamic, but it made us better. You know, Sabrina Sobey and I would have some, you know, big battles most weeks. Yeah, she would, she would beat she would beat me most of the time. But if I were to beat her, you know, straight away we'd you know going out maybe having you know, getting dinner together that night. Um, mm -hmm. It's just, yeah, it's good. It's an interesting dynamic, but it's something that, you know, helps, I think. Yeah. Is it also really cool to see, I mean, I feel like there's so many college squash players now going to the professional after you see all of these people that you could be friends with or you're very familiar with. Is it cool to see that on the tour as well now? Yeah, it's really cool. Um, yeah. I love and I'm a big, um, like, uh, I would be a big ambassador for going to college, not because I think, you know, like you need an education or whatever, but I think it's sometimes, like I said, for me, stepping away from squash and knowing that I had other opportunities allowed me to kind of find find my feet within the game and actually, I think, gave me, made me the person who I am, which has allowed me to, like, come up the rankings quite quickly, if that yeah. makes sense. So I'm a, I would always be a big advocate of going going to uni um yeah one you can train have such good training so if you know you want to go pro it's a it's a good route and 
if you love squash but you don't want to go pro, then it's, again, another really good option. So I think it's yeah. really cool that people are becoming more aware of, like, college squash as a route to being pro. Right. And, you know, they better try out the uh, six-week internship program of sitting down from eight to five. Exactly. Yeah, I just want to now move on to a little quick fire segment where I just ask you a bunch of questions and then, you you know, you give me your answer. And then I'll also do a pick a couple Instagram questions I received and go from there. But yeah, we're going to start off with some squash-related ones. Uh, Thoughts on best of three? I'm not a fan. Not a fan. I'm not a fan personally, but then I see some of the men play these 100-minute matches day in, day out, and I think, oh, fair enough. So that I can see why they would want that. Um, but me yeah. personally, I, I I would prefer a best of five. Well, one thing I've noticed is why the Canary Wharf, do, they don't feature the uh, women's, women's yeah. tour, and I feel like they better get on that because, I mean, I think yeah. the environment that the Canary Wharf makes over there is just phenomenal. Amazing, yeah, I know. I know it's such a shame. I always think it's such a, it's such a cool tournament, and yeah. like said, the atmosphere is like kind of like nothing like any of the no, other yeah. tournaments. Um, yeah, I'm not sure why there isn't a women's one. I don't think there's any plans for a women's one either in the near future. But oh. we can we can find. <laughs> oh, also, real quick, uh, talking about Canary Wharf having such a good uh, environment. How brutal is it to play in Egypt when the fans don't clap for you? <laughs> have you yeah. noticed that? This have you noticed that? This, um... I did. I I definitely yeah. <laughs> I did notice it. Um, it was hard, but I actually sometimes when I was playing Trevini, I think some people were like maybe a bit happy when I won a point. You know, you know, it's like when you're watching someone who's like the level so different that you just kind of hope that they get points. So when I did yeah. get a few points, I thought the crowd were like getting behind me. I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> this, this is new. This is new. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> all right. Thoughts on goggles and squash. I don't think they're necessary. I hate playing with goggles in college yeah. squash. I really hate it, but I, so I think it should be a personal, personal preference. Oh, people should have. Do you think they should have the option for college squash as, as well? I do. Yeah, I think you're 18 yeah. years old. I don't think I don't see why it should be enforced. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Practicing alone or practicing in groups? Do you mean in terms of like one, like me and one other person? Like soloing versus uh, practicing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I would prefer to practice in, in groups. In groups. Got it. Thoughts on commentators for squash? Really good. I love commentators. Yeah. They make they make the game, yeah. <laughs> um, well, okay. This is pretty self-explanatory, I think. I was going to ask co- thoughts on college squash. Okay. I guess Everyone huge. <laughs> <laughs> thoughts on nicknames for PSA players? Oh, that's a good question. Some of the nicknames I think are great, and I think it's really cool. You can really like make a brand for yourself, you know, like Paul, yeah. Paul Carl. He's made a brand. Oh, he's definitely milked it every every inch of that. Yeah, <laughs> but then some yeah. nicknames I think I don't know can be a bit. No, just not. They can take it. They just take it very serious, you know, like the German tree chopper. I think if you're a <laughs> if you're a non squash player and you hear that, you think it's just a bit of a it's a bit of a joke <laughs> yeah no i agree it's it's a fine line yeah. some are very good and then i feel like a lot are being well i feel like now like anyone who's moving up the ranks is forced upon a nickname and yeah, exactly exactly I think yeah a nickname should you know yeah like the terminator perfect nickname for <laughs> Go Hart, perfect. yeah but some of them you're like really <laughs> <laughs> 
have they given a nickname for you? No, they haven't. Yeah. I think Joey was asking me though that he's trying to think of one. So well, let's hope it's let's hope it's a good it's, one. It's a, it's a good one, yeah. <laughs> Thoughts on coaching post career? Um, at the moment, I would say that I probably wouldn't go down the coaching avenue. Mm-hmm. Um, but that may that may change. I I do when I do it, I enjoy it, but I can't see myself doing it full time. Gotcha. Most underrated player on tour right now? Ooh. Question. Most underrated player. I feel like you no longer qualify in this category considering how fast you <laughs> moved. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know if she's underrated because she's like number 29 in the world or something, but I think Siva, um, the Bramium, is yeah. very, very skillful. And when, when she's on, she's very, very dangerous. Actually, yeah, I mean, I your, yeah, your U.S. Open match that was brutal. I, <laughs> the length it went, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, and she's young as well. So I think she, yeah. um, she's, but like I said, she's not underrated because everyone knows she's like a baller. But um, probably her ranking might be a bit lower than it could be. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, so the next question I have, you don't have to answer this. Some people have. You can opt out. I was going to ask most overrated player on tour. <laughs> I might opt out of that one. Okay, <laughs> let me rephrase. How about one player you dislike playing Ooh, um, on tour? Dislike playing, it would have been a player like SJ, you know, someone who yeah. holds the ball and, um, you know, uses the lift when under pressure. Uh, like, there's no rhythm to the game. I like rhythm. So I'd say yeah. a player like SJ, I would, yeah, struggle. I struggle against. Sure. Mm-hmm. Best college squash player you've played against? Oh, um, Reham Sedki. Yeah. She was unbelievable, and I thought she was going pro, but then she tore her ACL, unfortunately, and then, oh, no. and then got a job. So I don't think she has plans to come back on the tour, but she was so good. And I know that she was playing some special tournaments, like taking out some. Yeah, no, I remember that. She was moving up the ranks very quickly as well. Yeah, very quickly, yeah. Very um, unconventional. It seems very different playing style from very, anyone. Yeah. Very, unconventional. <laughs> so, so, yeah, caused a lot of issues. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm going to move on to some life-related ones. Um, favorite place you visited through squash? Ooh, um, I actually went to Namibia when I was younger for the World Junior Championship. Yeah. Um, I loved it there. I mean, when are you going to get the chance to go to Namibia? Like, it was such a cool, <laughs> like, cultural experience. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Namibia, I'd say. Um, favorite place you've ever been to, regardless of squash? Um, favorite place I've ever been to? Oh, you know I loved Zurich when I went there. Um, mm. I loved it. I thought it was beautiful, so much to do. Uh, so, yeah, off the top of my head, I, love, I did love it there. <laughs> Gene, do you like... Um, Warm weather or cold weather, or do you don't mind? Um, I don't like the sun. Like, I can't sit out in the sun. I, I hate it. So I prefer like a bit, a bit colder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, alcohol drink of choice. Um, prosecco. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, coffee or tea. Coffee. Not not big on tea. Not really. No, I love Got coffee. It. Favorite British slang? Um, I say in it a lot, which is bad. It. it sounds quite chavvy. <laughs> you know, you're like, yeah. <laughs> so I do. I get, when I'm back in London, I get the, the chaviness comes out. 
<laughs> Biggest pet peeve. Okay, I hate I hate people being late. That is my. Ooh, point. you're very punctual. Being, yeah, being yeah, late yeah, yeah. really winds me up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and also, people who are like tight with money really wind me up. So it doesn't mean that you have to spend money on people, like regardless of how much mm-hmm. money you have. But you know, some people yeah, no, just, they'll never offer to pay, but they'll always. They'll always take it. (laughs) And you have to like actively ask them to, you know, you know, you got to pay me back and they're paying it in the sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Favorite movie. Um, Favorite movie. I'm not a big movie person, to be honest. So I'd have to say something like, I love like watching Mamma Mia or something. (laughs) Are you are you into TV shows or just not big? Yeah, on? I like TV shows. I, I much prefer TV shows. To- All right, how about that favorite TV show that you recommend to the audience? Oh, so many, um, so many. At the moment, I'm watching Succession. I'd say. Oh my god, that's so that's my favorite. I've been. If any of my really? friends are listening to this, I've been plugging to all my friends. Really? Anytime, it's, yeah. I it's so, so good. good. Yeah, <laughs> I'd have to. I'd have to say that at the moment. Yeah, Succession. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a good one. Um, favorite song or a pregame hype song that you ha- go to? Yeah, God, I sound so boring. Like, don't watch movies. I don't really listen to music <laughs> either. Like, I've never listened to music. Oh. Um, I'll listen you don't to- you don't listen to music? I don't know. Like, the only time I will listen to music is if I'm doing a workout, like not squash, but if I'm just purely like doing sprints or whatever. But I'll just put yeah. on whatever's like current. Like I, I don't really think wow. about music. I know I'm very, I'm different like that. I know people. Yeah. Gina doesn't watch movies or listen to music. Yeah, what does Gina do? I don't know. Um, what job or sport if it weren't for squash? Oh, um, so I actually used to do running. Um, quite when oh. I was younger. Long, long distance. Yeah, so like five k, I would do. Um, so I think if it wasn't, that was definitely my, yeah, I would say I'd, I'd want to be a runner. <laughs> yeah. Favorite non-squash athlete? Favorite non-squash athlete? Oh, um, um, I love Roger Federer. <laughs> yeah, um, class act. Class yeah. act. And yeah. then, yeah, I'd say Roger Federer for sure. Uh, favorite squash athlete? Yeah, if I'm not going for an English person, Nicole David. Nicole David, yeah. I love the way she plays and the way she conducts herself. Hmm. Got it. Okay, so we're going to move on to some Instagram questions that I received, um, which, you know, I mean, like 30 of these are just all about your fitness regime, which I think <laughs> um, <laughs> I think we've covered a little bit. But um, here, uh, we're going to shout out to Nora El Tagi. She said... How old were you when you started playing squash? Oh, um, I was nine years old and then started like playing a lot more when I was about 12. Got it. Um, shout out to Stuart Melbourne. He said, what's your favorite team you have ever played in? Oh, Stu, I'm going to have to go for the Park Langley, Park Langley <laughs> third team. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then who else? I'm trying to pick out questions that are not about your... <laughs> um, someone asked, "Do you have any siblings, and do they play squash?" 
Yeah, I've got an older brother, but he doesn't play squash. I'm actually the only fourth oh. one of my family. What is what does he do? What does he um, do? So he's actually in the midst of applying to join the navy. Um, wow. He was working in Vietnam teaching there, and then he had to come home because of COVID. So mm-hmm. it's taken him a while, but um, yeah, he wants to join the navy. Wow, intense family, intense family. <laughs> yeah, not at, all. Not they, at all. Don't listen to music or watch movies. <laughs> yeah, I'm not allowed to do anything. <laughs> um, oh, who is the hardest Egyptian player on tour? The hardest in terms of uh, who's the best? I guess just, I guess in terms of your playing style, who would oh, you? Um, yeah. Yeah, I... I, I played Noren Gohar in Detroit and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, like, I love Shabini as well, but they play completely differently. And I think mm. Gohar, just the way she played, it's like, how are you, how are you, I don't, how are you hitting it that hard <laughs> and that accurately? Um, yeah, so I'd go for Gohar. Got it. Um, well, yeah, I'm going to wrap. That's it for the Instagram questions. And I think I'm going to wrap up the podcast episode there. Uh, Thank you for tuning in, everyone. And thank you for uh, Gina for joining in. Thank you so much.